0: Welcome to the Josh Scanlon Podcast. This episode first appeared as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash heritage wealth planning. I hope you find it informative. Thanks. Want more of the Josh Scanlon Podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon Podcast starts right now. Alright my friends, I cannot wait to share this one with you. Is home equity underutilized in retirement plans? That's what we're going to talk about here today, and we're going to look at an article from the Centers for Retirement Research at Boston College, one of my favorite research entities when it comes to retirement planning. I just love these guys, and this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, paper we're going to look at, dated March 2017. If you're looking at uh just your own, uh, you you cannot go wrong by going here ccr Edu. uh Alicia Munell i think is still the pre- or the chief of this place uh I just so much stuff on here when i was doing my uh my masters i came across uh munell soto uh, just tons of guys and ladies who do the research on financial planning and I just i i would have been lost without it and, and ccrc uh or CRRs. Oh, Why well, I keep? Oh, because continuing care retirement communities. CRR, the Center for Retirement Research at BC. Man, I tell you. So go on here and sign up, and uh, for their newsroom, follow them. The whole thing is you will, you can't go wrong. All right. So we're gonna look at this one. This again is dated March of two thousand seventeen, and my mug is gone because I want to open this up so you can see this whole article uh, by a guy named Stephen Sass, and Stephen is a, a research economist at the CRR. I get used to that call. CCRC CRR is home equity an underutilized retirement asset, Uh, and we're just going to read this because it's critical. Critical retirement planning generally focuses on the use of financial assets. However, home equity is the largest store of savings for most households entering retirement. This brief review studies by the Social Security Administration's Retirement Research Consortium and others that assess with home equity is an underutilized retirement asset. And if so, why? Yep, we're gonna talk about that. In fact, what we're gonna show you here is that here's a top five quintiles for people aged 65 to 69 in 2012. And I'm, I can almost assure you it hasn't changed much. And this is quintiles of wealth. And what you're gonna see is up until the last of wealthiest 20%, home equity was either equal to or dwarfed any other household wet worth by far. So in the, in the 60% of the population, home equity, I mean, it wasn't close relative to the financial assets. Home equity of people's financial wealth, home equity was by far and away, by far and away the vast, vast, vast amount of wealth they had it was nothing. He came close. I mean, even in the third quintile, one hundred and five thousand dollars of home equity versus only forty thousand dollars of financial wealth. When you're in the fourth quintile, so that means the top twenty, the 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 eighty percent or beyond in the fourth quintile from sixty one percent to eighty percent, excuse me, wealth, they had the same amount of home equity as they had in liquid net worth. There's only ones who got the the uh, the, the most the, the most wealthiest did their financial assets dwarf their home equity. Up until that point, it wasn't close. So the vast majority of of Americans, if they're not looking at their home equity, they're just leaving a lot to be desired when it comes to retirement Uh, planning. The return or income that financial assets produce is an increase in the price of these assets plus dividend or interest. The return on home equity has two parts, the rise in the price of the house plus the provision of in-kind housing services. Oops. Uh, U.S. home prices have averaged about 1% a year over inflation for the last 45 years. Of greater significance though than house price appreciation is the provision called in-kind housing services and I cannot stress this enough. The market rental value called imputed rent is estimated about three to 4% of the value of the home, much more than the value of the rise in home prices. Unlike interest or dividend income, imputed rent is not subject to income taxation. The value for in-kind services that home ownership provides goes beyond imputed rent. These services continue for as long as a retiree remains in their house, which offers valuable protection against longevity risk and rent increases, maintains connections with nearby family, friends and community amenities and allows the elderly to modify their home to suit their changing needs. Ah, man, I cannot I cannot stress this enough. Uh, Nakajima and tell you Use the structural model and data from the health retirement study and estimate that retirees value home ownership as over three times the imputed rent. All right, I want to talk about imputed rent. So you think about it. If you own your home, that means you don't have to pay rent. Yeah, Yes, you still got to pay property tax and homeowner's insurance. I get that, but it'll be significantly lower than rent. So if I had to rent and it cost me $2,000 a month in rent, that means I had to generate $2,000 a month in income. When I generated that income, it was taxable to me as income. However, because I don't have to generate that $2,000 a month in rent, that means I don't need to generate that $2,000 a month in taxable income, which means I pay no tax. So not only does rent cost me $2,000 a month, which I don't uh, have to pay if I, have, if I own my home outright, but I don't have to pay tax on that $2,000 a month either. That's imputed rent, because uh, you're getting rent free. And on top of that, because you own it, you don't have to worry about rent increases. Uh, my wife and I we used to know these neighbors when we lived in Dayton, Virginia, and they had a uh, a, a house they rented, and they've been there for like thirty years. And the lady, the owner, never raised rent. They're paying like a hundred bucks a month for it. I, that was, I, I mean, that's not likely. But I'll never forget. It. They said, "Man, we just locked out." A um, hundred bucks a month for a, a decent little home in Dayton, Virginia was was quite cheap, uh, just because I had a good landlord. Uh, final, uh, final difference between home equity and financial savings is liquidity. Home equity is much harder to tap. The primary ways are downsizing and reverse mortgage and are costly and time consuming as well. Households often enter retirement with excess housing. Empty nests have unused space and are often located in neighborhoods best suited for a different stage of life. Such households could strengthen their finances by moving to a less expensive home. A study by Munell, Soto, and Aubrey using a nationally representative survey of workers approaching retirement nevertheless finds that only 3% choose to uh, plan to downsize. In fact, another study using the Health and Retirement Study survey finds that 30% of homeowners approaching retirement move, but they move more to a house that's more expensive rather than less expensive, and the ones that do move to a less expensive house do so because of a financial shock like Medicare or medical expense. Ah, crazy. Staying in a house that has more space than one needs is costly. A study uh, by Boutryka, Goldwyn, and Johnson using, again, the HRS Consumption and Activities Mail Survey finds that taxes, insurance, upkeep, and utilities account for 30% of retired homeowners' expenditures. And I'm going to do another video where I'm looking right now. You can't see on the podcast, if I open up the PDF of... The Understanding Expenditure Patterns in Retirement, the paper they did uh, Barbara Butrika, Joshua Goldwyn and Richard Johnson that they just referred to. And they talk about utilities being such a big expenditure uh, for retirees consumption. And the way I look at it is two things: uh, not having LED light bulbs, a, and then having you know a third and fourth bedroom that you got to heat and air condition that no one ever goes in, and so those that's just wasted heating and air conditioning, which is wasted utilities, and that means you're simply wasting money that you probably could use other way uh, better. So that's another reason to consider downsizing. Uh, but it's not only households nearing retirement that do not downsize. The moving is more physically demanding and emotionally disruptive as retirees age. And studies by Venti, Wise, and others show that very few households downsize as they retire. Those that do typically give up home ownership towards the end of life in response to a trigger event, going to a nursing home, for instance. Uh, Widows often need to reduce or become a widow. Widows often need to reduce expenses as the household's income from social security and pensions uh, drops, because there's only one spouse left anymore, and maintenance costs for uh, survivors unable to do much maintenance themselves increases. Renting also makes more sense towards the end of life as the value of the housing services that home ownership provides over the retirees' retirees remaining lifespan declines relative to the value of alternative uses of the savings held as home equity. A study by Coyle and Milligan nevertheless finds that widowhood alone lowers the probability of continued home ownership by only 3%. It lowers the probability by twelve percentage points if the survivor has an activity of daily living limitation. So basically, that's one of the six things: activities of daily living that long-term care insurance kicks in. So about two-thirds of all households that enter retirement owning a home, thus exit retirement retirement owning a home as well. So the likelihood is you're not going to uh, be renting when you uh, if you go into retirement owning a home, you're most likely going to be as well. Uh, Potential reasons for the lack of downsizing, in addition to the high costs and strong preference for remaining in one's home, includes a desire to use the home equity as a reserve or to leave it as a bequest. Various non-rational behavioral impediments also could stand in the way as well. These include the complexity of accessing the benefits, present-mindedness, giving excessive weight to the near-term costs while minimizing the long-term gains, Endowment effects, excessively valuing what one currently has and inertia. Yep. Analysis by paralysis, that's for sure. Um, Or paralysis by analysis, that's what it is. Uh, To the extent that this resistance is primarily behavioral with downsizing, improving the household's well-being, home equity is definitely an underutilized retirement asset. I do want to talk about one thing here real quick, excessively valuing... uh, uh, the present giving weight, They're giving uh, present minus giving excessive weight to the near term costs while minimizing the long term. Remember, my friends, a home equity conversion mortgage, a reverse mortgage. If you take the line of credit today, it will most likely never be as cheap as you do today, as if you wait. And the reason for that is because the costs are based on the fair market value of your home. And so if your home is gonna appreciate in value, as most likely it will, that inherently means the cost will go up in value as well because this, the HUD guarantee for the FHA, they make it so as a based on percentage of the asset of the home, not the amount that your line of credit is. And so if the home goes from 500,000 to a million bucks, for instance, you've inherently doubled the cost right there uh, for the mortgage insurance. And now if the home goes down in value, you would have wished you'd taken out before, but uh, it went down in value because a home equity conversion mortgage is a non-recourse loan. You cannot owe more than the value of the home. So if the home goes down in value, you are not obligated to pay more than the house is worth, which again, makes sense if you think you're gonna stay in your home to pay the fees up front, be done with it. And that way you can at least have that line of credit established now. And we're gonna talk about how it's gonna grow as you get older too, which is pretty interesting. All right, given the value of placing, uh, let's see, reverse mortgages, tapping home equity without moving given the value that retirees place on remaining in their current home and the high cost of downsizing Borrowing against home equity could be a more attractive way to access these savings. you're not going to do it, my friends. Just I'm sorry. A, you're going to have a monthly payment, which is going to hurt your cash flow. And B, the banks are very likely not to give you the loan because you still have to have the ability to pay it back. And mortgages are, especially home equity lines of credit, lines of credits. The underwriting are pretty strict is what happened in 2008. They, I mean, I'm just telling you right now, the likelihood of bank is going to offer you terms if all you have is Social Security income, it's not likely to happen. A reverse mortgage is far more attractive and accessible. Uh, the key feature of, of a reverse mortgage is that borrowers are not required to make any payments as long as they live in the house. While borrowers do need to demonstrate the ability to pay property tax and insurance premiums, the loan must be repaid only when they move or die. Yep. Uh, essentially, all reverse mortgages are now government insured home equity conversion mortgages available to homeowners ages 62 and over. They're typically set up as line of credit to pay off a mortgage, eliminating debt payments, cover ongoing consumption expenditures, provide a reserve for medical or care expenses, or make an inter-vivo transfers as during life. The government program assures borrowers they will get the contracted funds and assures lenders they will be repaid even if the balance owed exceeds the proceeds from the sale of the house. However, to date, only 2% of eligible homeowners have taken out a reverse mortgage. Most of borrowers uh, who, who have trigger events, i.e., they need mel- they have a, a healthcare shock, uh, and then people that wanna pay off their mortgages, uh, so they don't want a monthly payment going in, so they just use a home equity reverse mortgage to pay off their mortgage. That's it, but only 2% of people doing it, isn't that crazy? In a survey of households that considered a reverse mortgage but decided not to proceed, cost was by far and away the most commonly cited impediment. A home equity conversion mortgage on a $300,000 home costs about $9,000 $9, up front, in the, on, and the interest rate amounts borrowed was 5.9% in January 2017 with the rate adjusted annually. So a lot of people say, "Ah, oh, it's too expensive. I'll wait. Huh? That's, bad. that's a big mistake. I'm telling you. And, unless and if you're only going to do a line of credit, that's a big mistake. If you're going to do it to borrow, maybe not. But if you're doing it for a line of credit, I think that's a mistake. Uh, let's see. All right, mainly due to the high interest rates, households that use the proceeds of a reverse mortgage early in retirement could significantly reduce the equity available down the road or that they want to leave as bequest, because you're tapping into your equity, that's, that's just a fact. A reverse mortgage line of credit, though, can nevertheless be quite attractive, even to retirees who do not have immediate need for the funds. The amount they can draw from the reverse mortgage line of credit rises at this specified interest rate. <sighs> Given the high interest rate, the amount retirees can draw from an untapped line rises quite rapidly, which allows the household to draw down his financial assets more quickly. So that means this. If you have a 5.9% interest rate, if you're not borrowing against it, that 5.9% interest rate is what is being used to have your home equity line of credit grow. as growing at that 5.9% yes it is expensive if you borrow against it if you're not borrowing against it right now though it's growing at that 5.9 percent clip it's nuts not to do that in my opinion i mean everyone's got to look at their individual situation but very few people move very few people downside most people want to stay in their homes there's tons of studies on this that show this now very very few people actually relocate very few people relocate intrastate never mind interstate And so because that, we're most likely going to stay in your home. Get a reverse mortgage line of credit. Yeah, it's going to cost you something, but it's only going to cost you more in the future. (sighs) A study by Davidoff also shows that the amount that older retirees can draw from an untapped line taken out at the beginning of retirement will be comparable to what they could get if they sold their house towards the end of retirement. (sighs) A study by Sun, Trist, Trist, and Webb also shows that waiting to take a reverse mortgage is quite risky as a rise in interest rates will typically reduce the value of the house as well as how much that line of credit, uh, reverse mortgage you could tap into. I cannot stress this enough. My friends, if interest rates go up, cost of homes go down. It's like a bond. Think about it like a bond. The interest rates go up. What happens to the price of the bonds? Bonds go down. Without question, why? Because there's less demand on the current bonds that are out there, it's just that simple. But it's even more specific on homes. I mean, if I have a home for a $400,000 house and say it's $2,000 a month, because basically it's $500 a month for every $100,000 you borrow, let's well, say $1,500 of that 2,000 a month goes to principal and 500 of that $200 a mo- 2,000 a month goes to interest now we raise the interest rates and so now that two thousand dollars a month is consists of a thousand dollars a month of principal and a thousand dollars a month to interest that four hundred thousand dollars will not no, will no longer uh, generate the same demand because a uh, four hundred thousand dollar home will not be affordable for someone who can only afford $2,000 a month in payment. They just won't. So now that person can afford a $300,000 home because they can't afford $1,000 a month in mortgage interest. They can't afford 500 a month in mortgage interest. They can't afford $1,000 a month. So inherently they are restricted by the value of the home by how much mortgage interest they have to pay. A thousand dollars a month going towards the principal will buy a whole lot less than a $1,500 a month going towards the principal. It is that simple. And if interest rates go from four to five, the amount of interest, which will reduce the amount that goes towards the principal will inherently make me have to reduce the price of my home, which means I'll also not be able to get such a high mortgage, uh, reverse mortgage line of credit as well, simply because the fair market value of my home has dropped. I hope that makes sense. Interest rates do not work in a vacuum, man. I'm telling you right now, the higher the interest rates, the lower the value of your home. The lower the interest rates, the higher the value of your home because it's all based on affordability of the buyer. If the buyer cannot afford $2,000 a month of which $1,500 has to be used to principal, he won't be able to buy your house at $400,000. Just not going to happen. Uh, given the value that reverse mortgages provide, the take-up rate seems largely explained by not, i.e. only 2% of the people doing them, uh, the, 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 explained by non-rational informational and behavioral impediments. Uh, Davidoff, Gerhard, and Post found limited product knowledge and widespread misconceptions. For instance, only one-third of respondents, for example, knew that they could stay in their homes even if they owed more than it was worth. More challenging is the fact that reverse mortgages are complex products that affect other key concerns, specifically bequest motives, medical and care risks, and securing an adequate standard of living. (sighs) So conclusion, households entering retirement will increasingly need to tap their financial assets and home equity to maintain their living standards. While home equity has been the largest store of savings for most retirees, uh, most households, retirees have generally resisted using it as part of their everyday retirement plan. They typically tap home equity only in a last of case emergency scenario. Oh, man. Whether future retirees will exercise these options in using a reverse mortgage remains to be seen, but the pressures to do will be much more greater than they have been in the past. I tell you, folks, I cannot agree with that more. Um, that, that's just a fact. If you have... <laughs> If you have equity in your home and you're not considering it as a source of retirement income, I think you're making a mistake. Again, that doesn't mean you run out there and get the first guy to sell your reverse mortgage by opening his his, shirt like that or his his, uh, trench coat. I got sale for you. No, 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 you need to research it. Start with CC or CRR, Center for Retirement Research. Go to my man, Wade Fowles, get his book again. I've talked about this a million times a Sunday, oops. But the issue is the most people that watch this video are not in that upper quintile. They watch this uh, YouTube channel are not in that upper quintile. I mean, some are, that's great. And you might not need to consider a reverse mortgage. But if you're in the 60% quintile below uh, the the likelihood that your home representing the vast majority of your net wealth is high. And that means why would you not consider at least taking a reverse mortgage to alleviate some of the concern you have for retirement? I don't get it. So don't forget to subscribe, smash, share a comment, and we'll see you guys next time at Heritage Wealth Planning. Thanks, Tom.